0: Hello, this is Steve Spar, your host for SQ Unplugged, conversations in spiritual intelligence. Spiritual intelligence is the ability to act with wisdom, compassion, and peace in the stress and pressure of the real world. Each episode of SQ Unplugged, I will talk with an SQ21 certified coach, which was a model developed by Cindy Wigglesworth of DeepChange.com. We'll discuss the challenges of how to be spiritually intelligent in the midst of modern life. I'm here talking today with Jim Lockard, longtime certified SQ21 coach. He is an interesting person with a background that is unusual or atypical more so than um, most of us. He spent 24 years as a police officer in law enforcement. But then he had a whole nother career. He was 20 years as an active pulpit minister for the Center for Spiritual Living, one of the Centers for Spiritual Living. He's now retired, but he's an author and a lecturer, still very involved in the New Thought community. And he runs a blog called New Thought Evolutionary. I encourage you to check it out. Jim, welcome.
1: Hi, Steve. Nice to be with you.
0: We're speaking with Jim, currently living in Lyon. So it's morning here, but evening there. You live in Lyon, France. You moved there uh, with Dorian several years ago.
1: Yeah, we're coming up on our five-year time here. Uh, we're actually eligible to uh, apply for French citizenship this year. So we're, uh, we're beginning to put our visa paperwork together for that, and uh, we're, we're loving it here.
0: Right. So you're Americans expats in France. Uh, I should say bonsoir and comment allez-vous, but that would pretty much exhaust my French. Well, um,
1: that's, that's fine. I don't I'm not much better sadly. Uh, that's been a challenge for me is, is the language here, but I'm uh, working on it.
0: I'm excited to talk to you today not only because of your very interesting background and the perspectives you have, but also because living for five years in Europe, you probably have a different perspective than those of us who live in the United States. Although we have SQ coaches all around the world, uh, the majority of us live in uh, North America. So I'm kind of interested to just open the conversation with whatever you would like to talk about. Well, how is spiritual intelligence showing up in the world or showing up in your life and how are you using it?
1: Okay. Well, I use it, and I, I do occasionally teach classes. I have a nine-month program in what I call metaphysical psychology, and, and the first thing my students do is take the SQ assessment. And with that begins a coaching process, that lasts the entire length of the program, and it becomes the basis for that. So I find it incredibly useful, both for me to understand them better and them to understand themselves, and the material of the course helps to build on their uh, development of, uh, SQ principles and, and along the 21 skills and so forth. So, uh, I use it a lot. And in terms of what I'm seeing in the world today, I'm seeing a crying need for more emotional and spiritual intelligence. I mean, if we look at the kinds of things that are capturing our attention in the news, um, it's sort of like a hydra headed situation since, uh, at least since COVID began and actually before that in terms of things like political uh, chaos in the US and and, uh, the COVID pandemic itself and its effect on the the people that all the people that we've lost and uh, increasing awareness about the effectiveness of the healthcare system and other things like that. Now we've got uh, the situation in Ukraine which as we're speaking is just happening. And um, there's a new uh, uh, in the U.S., there's a new candidate for the Supreme Court that's probably going to be very controversial. And it just seems like there hasn't been a break. It's like in order to uh, to survive these times, if you're going to stay informed, which some people are opting not to, I guess. But if you're going to stay informed, you're going to have to have some grit. You're going to have to have some toughness and some capacity to understand uh, at a more complex level, some of the dynamics that are unfolding in all these things. And then also be looking at what's happening within me as I look at my feed on Twitter or as I read the news or as I talk to friends um, about, about world affairs and so forth. So it seems like, I don't know, the world is piling on right now for the last you know, couple probably of years at least.
0: It's funny. I, I read sometimes books that were published in, you know, 1980, 1960, 1940, 1920 and they'll often start with some kind of phrase like the world is so perpetually frantic right now, you know, so it seems like people always experience it that way and yet as you say we seem to be in a hyper uh, maybe hyperbolic version of that. I know yeah. when you discuss kind of internal reactions, I have a desire to shut down. I have a desire to kind of close off and say I don't want to be informed or engaged. So you're pointing out something that is something we should address.
1: Yeah, I think our I think self care uh, is a very important spiritual and psychological practice these days. And um, yeah, when I when you get you get to a point where you say I need to take a day or two off, I need to you know not look at. The constant twenty-four hour news feed. I need to turn off the TV and maybe uh, either watch a comedy or go outside and walk around, or listen to some beautiful music, or meditate, or do something to get myself back into a space where I have access to my faculties. Because this bombardment that that happens is actually a, a sign of something much deeper, which is the increase in uh, the, rep, the increase in the rapidity of change that has been unfolding with the, among humanity for generation after generation. And it's been picking up speed um, all along, but especially through the 20th into the 21st century. I mean, undoubtedly, there was, yeah, there's a statistic. I don't know how they capture this, but I remember hearing about it in the nineties and into the aughts, I guess, of the early two thousands. And it was a measure of all human knowledge. And, the question was, how quickly is all human knowledge doubling? And this statistic, they would go back into the early 20th century, it would double every 20, 30, 40 years. And by the 90s, it was doubling every 18 months. And now it's probably doubling every week or something. I mean, it's just you know, the, the rate at which knowledge is accumulated and put together and new creative things are happening. And social changes and all of that um, is, is just astounding. And our learning curves are up and up and up, you know, in terms of our telephones. And, our, you know, we're walking around with a piece, what we call a telephone, which is can contain or have access to pretty much all of that human knowledge in one form or another. All this, some of the stuff, Some of the stuff on the Internet I hear is not true. But, uh, you know, we and that's the other thing. How do I discern? Among this flood of information as to what's what's valid, what's invalid, what's valuable, what's worth my time, what I should maybe consider acting on, um, you know, with, it's like there, there's a fire hose coming at us and we have to pick and choose certain elements of that, that we're going to engage with.
0: It seems like we as humans have vast potential. And of course, we have not tapped all of that potential. And the world with, I like your phrase, rapidity of change. It's not just change. It's it's the velocity at which it, at which it's coming at us. But maybe that is evoking from us the need to increase our capacities, including spiritual intelligence, but yeah. to be not just resilient in the sense of self-care. And I love what you say about that, because that's something I need to pay more attention to, but also just in the ability to navigate, face, confront, engage this level of phenomena coming at us that previous humans did not have to do. Right.
1: Yeah. They said, I heard again, around the time I started looking at this kind of thing in the nineties, they said, if there was more information in a single edition of the Sunday, New York times, which itself is an anachronistic idea today (laughs) then someone living in the time of, of Christ would have accumulated in their entire lives. Right. Um, so when you think about, you know, and, and the interesting thing to me is that we're creating this, the planet's not doing it to us. It's humans that are somehow being driven to complexify everything. Cause that's, you know, that's what's happening. Uh, right. The earth is no more complex than it was when, when before we showed up. Uh, The animal kingdom isn't any more complex necessarily other than biologically complex, but we seem to be driving this through a a creative urge that then requires us to adapt to the higher levels of being. And I think it is uh, kind of a hive mind in a sense of humanity Mm. is saying, complexify, complexify, adapt, 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 in order that we might call upon more and more of our potentials the thing when it speeds up like this is people get left behind hmm. and they're just not able to do it or they're not in a situation where they've learned how to do it. You know? So I think that's what we're having in politically. We're having a lot of pushback against the rapidity of change against people feeling like they don't have control in their, in their lives. So you see the populist movements so-called that say, okay, let's take back control. Let, I want my country back. I want to go back to the way it was when, I, when at least I felt like I knew what was going on to some degree. Um, yep. I call. I think. I think it's not liberal conservative is the main issue today. I think it's progressive and regressive. So some people way, would like to go back to an earlier, simpler
0: time. Gotcha. I just called out one way to react to this phenomena we're talking about, which is yeah. to shut down. But you're pointing out a lot of other people want to actively go back.
1: Yeah, if you look at some of the legislation that's being uh, put forth today around, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure. Let's undo the the decisions around around uh, marriage equality, around uh, the civil rights movement, Um, Obergefell, the Obergefell decision on uh, contraception, and so forth. There's a you know, we thought. Many people in the more progressive mindset thought, "Oh, if the decision's made, it'll stand."
0: Look but how we're moving been, forward. Yes,
1: yeah, but there's always been a more regressive element that is very tenacious. You know, they're very, they very much cling to the, the the belief system that we knew better before.
0: Right. There's the myth of the golden age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The greatest generation, which you know exemplified certain value systems that that are good that you know there is an uh, there is a wonderful ethical construct there but it also was a time of incredible unfairness and incredible uh, people being taken advantage of and 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 slavery and so forth existed in those kinds of belief systems right and so it's kind of an interesting dynamic to see the push pull of these things unfold and to me to be able to observe even observe in a healthy way much less engage it's so critical to have well-developed emotional and spiritual intelligence
0: do you have eh, advice or thoughts or how do you navigate that what do you bring to your own life in that helps you bring more spiritual intelligence to the thousand decisions you have to make each day
1: Well, I think it's a combination of things. I have have practices I do. I meditate. I I contemplate. I I read a lot about uh, uh, some of the models and thinkers and what's going on. I I pay attention. I'm on social media a part of every day. A lot of it is depressing and upsetting and so forth. But I do try to understand when I see something that really kind of triggers me, Um, what I try to do is say, okay, what's the underlying cause of this particular kind of expression? And you can always just say, well, it's fear or it's ignorance or something. And yeah, there may be some elements of that in it, but there's also all of these belief systems, you know, we talk about spiral dynamics and so forth, but all of those different levels are internally logically consistent. They just may not match the current living conditions that you find yourself in, in which case you're out of congruence With the world around you so what do we do when we're out of congruence with the world around us we try to make the world around us match (laughs) what we have inside well that's easier than
0: me changing
1: exactly but that's something we automatically do if you walk into a room and it's out of order you tend to put it in order um, according to the how you see it you know so we do that we do the same thing and we don't teach critical thinking effectively and, and, you know, it, we used to to some degree, but even now in higher education, we've moved away. There was a there was a reason for that liberal arts core in, in higher education. And it was to teach critical thinking. Yeah. Um, as flawed as it may have been in many cases and, and overly white male centric, of course, we needed to include more voices in that. But it did offer you the opportunity to enhance your critical thinking skills. Doesn't mean you're going to but uh but when that goes away education becomes about getting a job and right to do a certain thing and make money or whatever it is it became very why yeah. we don't have engaged citizens as a result or we have underinformed citizens or we have people that just don't care
0: right you know? right when you said um paying it, I asked you kind of advice or how you handle it in your life. And you talked about paying attention, both externally staying informed, but also internally. Um, I notice in myself, I try and fail often, but I try to pay attention to what's happening internally when I have those reactions and see, you know, what's happening in my body. But also I try and I'm really This is difficult for me because I want so much to make sense of the world and perhaps to imprint my current understanding onto the events of my life. But I try very much to hold that all as a loosely held working draft. There's got to be some level of willing to entertain doubt about even the interpretations I'm making in the moment, because those interpretations are part of the past patterns. And I can see something and say, oh, that's this happening on social media. And I just have to always hold that loosely and have some doubt or bewilderment about even what I'm interpreting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's a sense of egoic fear, I guess it says, I, I, I think we're all addicted to being right. Yeah. I think at some level it's a human being and there's probably was some evolutionary reason for this survival. That, right. We come to believe that our survival depends on us being correct in our assumptions about the world and our beliefs about how other people are and what's a danger and what isn't a danger. And uh, what we find is as things get more complex, that, becomes, that increasingly becomes a problem. Because as you say, you have to be able to let go of beliefs that no longer serve or that are proved to be either. They may not, they may not have always been wrong, but they can be wrong now you know, because things have changed and times, situations have, and circumstances have changed. Yes. Um, so we have to, can I adapt? You know, am I adaptable? Am I teachable? And I think that's something we have to work on. I try to create an inner invitation to acceptance of what I don't understand, even if it scares me. So I can at least accept that it exists. Once I can do that, I can look at it a little more clearly. I can bring more of my faculties to bear when I'm not in fear.
0: That's an you know. interesting phrase. Can you say more about that? The, so an internal invitation or a welcoming invitation. How did you phrase that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I call it, I, I call it grooming my being space. You know, how am I, how am I being? Cause my, from my being comes my thinking and my feeling and my doing. So if I can get the being space in order to where there's receptivity to new ideas, there's openness to people, there's a willing, there's a, a very powerful desire to be compassionate and to express compassion, then I'm more likely to listen to something very dissonant or threatening in a way that allows me to be better with it, to have a better opportunity to think about it, to feel into it. As opposed to become rigid with fear. You know, oh, oh, no, you can't even talk about that area. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, there were certain subjects you just did not bring up in my home because it was dangerous. If that subject was brought up, bad things happened. And it took me a long time. And one of the things I I do uh, credit both New Thought Philosophy and SQ21 was to help me recognize the value of being more open where it's not a threat, the biggest threat is that I'm not going to miss something that I really need to see, that I really need to deal with effectively. Or if I only see it from a fear-based lens, I may lash out of it it, as opposed to, oh, wait a minute, there's value there. Let's try to work through that. And again, it's demanding to do that, right? And with all this other stuff coming at you.
0: As I hear you describe that, it sounds like it is deeper and more than an intellectual invitation. There's one way in which you could say, any of us could say, oh, yes, I'm welcoming. I have an invitation, inviting stance toward new ideas and information. But the way I hear you describe it, it's a, it's got an affective quality. It's got a oh, yeah. more it, like you described a being sense. You want that invitation to be at a being level, not just a cognitive level.
1: It's a present thing. It's it's about, you know, the I I like to say when I do my work, my my work to develop myself as a better version of me, the focus is on being the person who does the thing I want to do. If I want to be a person who meditates regularly, I want to focus on I am that person, then I'll do it. You know, if I want to be kinder and more loving, if I focus on I am that person, I'll be that. So if I focus on the action, and I'm kind, of, that's kind of coercive, I'm kind of forcing myself, and sometimes you have to do right. that to an extent, right? But, but if I can change the deep internal kind of, really at a subconscious level of saying, yeah, this is who I am, and I'm becoming a kinder, gentler version of myself who still has healthy boundaries, by the way, then I'm able to act that way without having to do all the work of trying to coerce myself into a certain behavior.
0: Yeah, I don't think we can do it through willpower or should we shouldn't should on ourselves. We shouldn't do that. Hmm, That's a should.
1: We ought not. But yeah, well, that's that's one of the challenges of looking at social media like Twitter, where, you know, you say something and then you get critiqued from 700 different directions. Um, Not all of it kind. And how do you handle that? Well, you say, I'm not going to engage there. Maybe it's too uncomfortable for me. But maybe there's incredible value there, you know, maybe you need to parse your Twitter feed a little bit or, you know, it's like you say, what do I do to help deal with it? Another thing I do is cultivate a social life that allows me to be around positive,
0: uplifting people.
1: So I can I can get away and have dinner or have go to someone's, you know, we, we connect with different friends here, uh, internet and very international group. And uh, we can just say, yeah, let's go. We may talk about it, difficult issues but you know there are people that you can do that with and i'm very i'm very uh selfish with who i give my attention to in that regard because i want to be around people that are uplifting
0: that's a habit you have control over that can set the conditions for the path of beingness that you're describing that helps you be more the person you want to be yeah
1: and, ha- and, and live the best life you can live enjoy yourself I mean you know whatever whatever it is that you enjoy Dorian and I love to go out and or cook wonderful food and we like wine and we just got back from three days in Dijon to celebrate her birthday and we had some wonderful food and we're able to do that but if we didn't have that kind of economic uh, viability let's say we would still find ways to enjoy ourselves and connect with people she does it through music she's a classical musician and And that has become a big part of our social circle or the classical musicians that she plays with and um, that have accepted me into their group and so forth. (laughs) So, you know, it's like engaging the world. I'm not just sitting in front of my laptop or on my iPad all day going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Right. Because it can be addictive, right? It can't, you can get sucked into that vortex of because it feels like I think we seek energy to feel alive. And if we can't Absolutely. feel alive in a good way, we'll take a bad way. It's like a little kid. You know, if,
0: if we're kind if we of
1: can't get your attention positively, they'll find a way to get it negatively
0: because we want the attention. We want the that's an interesting way to <clears throat> phrase it, that the feeling of alive is what we want. Yeah.
1: We want the energy. We want that. We want a, we want a jolt of energy. And if we can't figure out a way to get positive or good energy, we'll take negative energy. Right. Because that's all because we just don't want to feel like nothing, you know.
0: Right. And that is definitely fueled by our life in the digital world. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Then if we are kind of moving towards the close of this session, do you have a sense of something you would offer to the community, you know, a way to, to be differently or, a practice to do, or do you have a provocative question or idea that you'd like to have people leave this session with?
1: I don't know about provocative, but I think if I were encouraged when I work with my students, when I when I write my blog, I try to I try to help people to see from a perspective that enables them to engage the world and bring their gifts to bear. So one thing I have to realize in order to do that is what are my gifts? Um, I'm not going to go volunteer to negotiate the, a peace in Ukraine. That, that would be, not, that's not my gift. But maybe writing a blog about certain things or doing, I'm reading a, a book now and I work with spiritual leadership because I find I have a certain gift for that. So part of it is being able to say, this is mine to do from that being place, feeling space and also to be able to say this is someone else's to do. Because you get a lot of people who are will kind of throw guilt at you because you, you know, you're not engaged in their cause. Or, you know, and and you see this all the time on, on social media, you know, oh yeah, all these people are doing this positive thing, but what about this thing that no one's doing? And if I happen to be susceptible to that guilt. I will tend to say, then what happens is if I stretch myself too thin. I'm not too effective in any of them and I burn out.
0: And you're not within your sweet spot. There's a natural exactly. energy that comes from doing those things that we're wired to do.
1: Yeah, it's passion. Oh. Passion is doing the things you're wired to do. Stress is doing the things that you feel an external pressure to do. So it's getting in touch with what are my passions? What am I, and what am I good at? You know, I may have a passion I'm not very good at. So maybe I can't be too helpful there. But if I have a passion that, you know, I can help to work in a certain area and then to be okay with the fact that I'm not doing everything. And that's for a lot of people. If I have a lot of, a high degree of insecurity, I will tend to feel very guilty that I'm not engaging in 15 things as opposed to, you know, doing three or four things or two, one or two things that I can do fairly well. So that's the inner work. The inner work is building that being space saying i am enough i will i will deal effectively with what i do what i can deal with and i will leave it to others with my loving support to take care of the things that are not mine to do
0: you know i was just recently um at a museum and there was a quote there from an historical rabbi from like the first century and the statement attributed to him in a in a verse of midrash was something like, um, you are not responsible for the work for completing the work of perfecting the world, but neither are you exempt from contributing to it. And that made a real, um, that really struck me. And I hear a resonance with what you're saying here, leave for others that which they have to do, but do not shrink back from that, which is yours to give.
1: Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to bite off less than I can chew. But I don't want to bite off more than I can chew either. You see, it's finding that finding that balance.
0: That's beautiful. And, you know, and it's um, easy to go
1: into overwhelm. That's one of the big problems we have is the people with big hearts that want to help, that want to be, you know, that want to do good often go into overwhelm because they overextend themselves. They're bandwidth, they go way beyond their bandwidth in a sense, you know, and and
0: it, it doesn't well. Matter. I think that is a wonderful, that is really a pearl of wisdom about how to how to address some of this rapidity of change this acceleration that we all feel but how we can still stay spiritually engaged look at our gifts discern that and and don't bite off more and don't bite off less that's beautiful jim i always enjoy our conversations and our friendship i really want to thank you for spending time here with us today
1: oh it's been a great joy i thank thanks for inviting me and hopefully not too distant future we'll be able to get together in per in person and have a good meal
0: thank you all for listening to another episode of sq unplugged we hope that you will come back and listen to more take care and as jim says stay spiritually engaged goodbye goodbye jim